Why do some women make deliberate choices to set boundaries in their broken marriage and move into healing and peace while others live in a prolonged state of dysfunction, desperately trying to fix their spouse and or their marriage? The simple answer, their pain threshold. Okay, my name is Kim Pullen. Welcome to Hope for Spouses Lunchtime Live. And today we're gonna to talk about pain threshold. So if you're new to Hope for Spouses, I wanted to introduce myself. And um, like I said, my name is Kim Pullen. And the reason I started Hope for Spouses and the reason I do these live presentations, these live sharing, is because my husband and I were separated for four years due to adultery and codependency. And so God took us on a very challenging journey I like to think that I uh, went for four years in a desert of broken glass, naked, uh, crawled around on there until God um, exposed things in my character. He worked on my husband's character. We've been back together now for three years, a little more than three years. And uh, in May, we're going to be celebrating our 27th wedding anniversary to the glory of God. But I started Hope for Spouses because I really believe that God did a transformation in my life. And I believe he can do it in the lives of other women. I see these statistics and I see how many of uh, the ladies that are out there and even men are experiencing this with their wives, that um, sexual addiction and adultery are rampant in our country, even within the Christian community. And so I personally believe that the only way that we can really be healed by this is through God and through community, through a healthy community of safe people. So I started Hope for Spouses to create an environment just for that. And so today though, we're gonna talk about the pain threshold. And in psychological terms, that's called alignment, okay? And uh, what it really, basically it means is that we don't usually change until our pain exceeds our fear of change. We love to stay in the familiar, even if we're in pain by it. Um, healing is a choice and most people won't choose healing or change and the pain that it brings until they have no other options okay so um, the, I found this really interesting definition for it. it says that a threshold is a magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a specific reaction or effect to occur on one side of alignment or a threshold a stimulus is perceivable on the other side it is not so I'm gonna post that because I feel like it is stellar way of looking at it. So again, the magnitude or intensity that must be exceeded for a specific reaction or effect to occur on one side of a alignment or threshold, a stimulus is perceivable, but on the other side, it's not. not for me, those two different um, perceivable sides are before we really recognize our, um, our own issues that we have to deal with. And then once we're on the other side, we really see that that our real issue, bottom line, is not our spouse. That our real issue is our relationship with God, how we view our spouse, how we view ourselves, how we view God, how we view the world. That is a huge threshold to get to. And once we get there, then we start perceiving everything around us a little bit differently. So I did post right before uh, I started the, the, the Facebook Live, I did post a... A graphic in the Facebook group that is a, a, a depiction of what a pain threshold looks like. So I'm sure the video is still running while you guys can go down. You can maybe look at this or you can look at it later. 
but it basically is a funnel, okay? And it starts with the initial feelings that we feel, a disconnect from our spouse, a disconnect from God, a suspicion. We start getting into obsessive searching. Our spouse either gets an over-interest, an obsession with sex, or a complete disinterest in it. There's anger, there's defensiveness, and all these eventually build to an initial disclosure, what I like to call our 9-11, okay? And then after that, whether we confront them or we keep quiet and don't really say anything, there's all these other things that build and build and build and build. And we are in pain that whole time uh, because our world has been destroyed. It's imploded. Everything that we thought we have knew about this person is a lie. You know, they become possibly a pathological liar to protect their sin. So we start feeling crazy. There's gaslighting. They start making us feel like, am I losing my mind? Uh, we feel guilt trips, we feel triggers, we feel a sense of hypervigilance. We feel like a hypocrite because, you know, we want to be open and, and get help in this, but we feel like, what, is pe what are people going to think about me? And so all these things build and build and build and build, and then we reach that pinnacle, that threshold that drives us over the edge toward healing. But everybody's Thing is a little bit different. Everybody's threshold and the factors that affect them are different. So what are some of those factors that affect our threshold of pain? Okay. One of them is age. Okay. The younger we are, the more likely we are to take chances when it comes to our relationship. I'm going to be 56 in a couple of weeks. And I can tell you, I'm getting more and more settled in. I like things the way that they are. I don't like things being shook up. And, it, and so for me to go through this kind of stuff at my age is really challenging because I've gotten used to things the way that they are and, and I can't imagine them being different. And so uh, when I went through uh, my challenges, I was, I was just before my 50th birthday. I had three kids that were uh, elementary and high school age. And it was, it, was a very, it was a challenge for me to push myself through this because I didn't want things to change. Even though they were very painful, it was hard for me to push myself through. Another aspect is cultural ethnicity uh, changes. You know, if we live, especially if we grew up in a male-oriented culture, our tendency is to not rock the boat, is, you know, to be the good, obedient, you know, Christian wife who um, I'm supposed to stand in there the whole time and take the garbage that my husband is doing, and I'm supposed to be submissive, and, and we kick out all the, the, the intentions that the scriptures have about the roles of a husband and wife and the responsibilities of both parties and what God calls us to and the fact that we're daughters of the king of the universe. And if we're princesses, how should our, our prince, our husband be treating us? So those things get, can, can, tend to get overseeded or, or superseded by the ethnicity or the culture we grew up in. It can, that can be, it can be stronger than really what the scriptures teach us. Another aspect of our pain threshold could be a socioeconomic status, okay? So if we, uh, for instance, when my husband and I separated, I was a homeschooling mom. I mean, we had um, a business together and I ran that, but, you know, I was, I was home most of the time and the business was shared by my husband and I. So if we split, you know, how would that affect it? Um, would I be able to keep my house? Would I have to move my kids? And I had two special needs kids at the time, so stability was very important to me. So that can play a huge factor as opposed if you are, you know, working a full-time job and you're a manager and you're pretty much self-sufficient economically. So, you know, whether you're going to push for a separation or, or set some really strong boundaries, 
your socioeconomic status can make a huge difference in your choices and decisions. Another uh, aspect is your personality type. Okay, I have an A-type personality. I, you know, I tend to everything in order. I like things to be a certain way, and so it's very easy for me to be what I call an active codependent, where I try to get my husband in line, or get this in line, or get that in line. But you can also have the opposite type of personality, what I call a passive codependent, that just kind of takes everything. They, they kind of become like a doormat. And, and we can have different roles in different relationships. We can be a passive codependent in work and an active codependent at home, or vice versa. And so our personality types can play a huge difference over the, the, our pain threshold. Past experiences, this is a huge one. Core wounds that happen in our childhood, abuse, neglect, abandonment by our, by our parents. And it could, not, it could be not even physical abandonment, it could be emotional abandonment. There could be uh, abuse, not just physical, but emotional, spiritual abuse. There could be neglect. So all these factors contribute to what we will, um, how far we will go with that pain threshold before we say enough. You know, what we were taught as children, what we saw in our uh, family of origin. And then sleep plays a huge factor because if we don't get enough sleep and if you are in the middle of that, um, that funnel and you're in pain, there's a good chance you're not getting a whole lot of sleep. Uh, and when we don't get enough sleep, then we have really poor reasoning skills and we tend to rely on our feelings more than we rely on God's word, okay? So why don't we change? All these are important factors, but really what it comes down to, why don't we change, okay? Why do we resist the, the, the scary changes that we need to make in order to really find that peace, security, confidence uh, in our life that we are lacking after our spouse's betrayal, okay? One of the big things is because we just wanna avoid pain, okay? Um, we, we don't like pain. We're, we're already feeling it. It's like we know if we do something, it's just going to get worse. And so it's almost like, let me just freeze. Let me just stay right here, and I won't feel any more pain. It's like somebody who maybe has a, suffers from uh, migraines. Let me just stay here. Let me cover my eyes. Um, and if I don't say anything, you know, if I just stay here and everybody's quiet, nothing happens, then I'll be okay. Okay, and, and obviously for a migraine, it might work, but not for when we're living a life uh, with a betray a spouse who has betrayed us. Okay, we can also have the fear of doing the wrong thing, of hurting someone else, and I think that comes if we have a conscience about how does God, you know, how does God feel about marriage? And and most of us have been taught that marriage is not God's first option. I mean, some of us have maybe been taught that God doesn't accept it at all, and that's not the case. And if you read the scriptures carefully. God does give some allowances for it in specific circumstances. But we can get so locked in on that attitude that we're terrified of doing the wrong thing, so we don't do anything. And, and that's not an option either. We have to do something. We're going to make a mistake. We're gonna make, if we're going to go through our recovery process, we're going to make a ton of mistakes. Just accept that. But we can, be, we can freeze because we're afraid of doing the wrong thing or hurting something, hurting our children. You know, what, what if I do something and it makes my children's relationship with their dad worse. I'll, you know, I'll just bear the pain. I'll bear the brunt of it. And that will not work in the long run. So a fear of failure. If I do something and it completely bombs, you know, what does that say about me? What does it say about my value? What, is about, what does it say about me as a person? How will people view me if I do this and it completely bombs? Okay. We have a fear of change. 
uh, of the unfamiliar, as I was saying earlier. It's easier if I just keep doing what I'm doing um, rather than, you know, if, my, if I separate from my spouse or I start setting boundaries and he gets madder or he gets more violent or he leaves or he threatens to leave or he threatens to kick me out or he threatens to take my kids. All of these changes terrify us because they are unfamiliar. So we think, let me stay where I am rather than moving into unfamiliar territory, okay? We can also um, end up holding on to what we know with clenched fists, okay? And this really comes down to how we view God. And, and if we really have a deep understanding and a faith in God, then we don't have to hold on to our life with clenched fists. We can hold on to our life with open hands and trust that God's going to take care of them. But when we are so focused on that fear and we're, we haven't reached that pain threshold, then we do tend to hold on to our life with clenched fists. We also end up constructing a reality to suit ourselves that might be different from what is actually happening. We are in denial. We are deceiving ourselves. And it's a defense mechanism that we use. And Everybody uses it to some degree. And really, we're trying to shelter our brain from facing that reality that things are as bad as they really are. We don't want to accept it. So we just keep enduring the pain. That pain threshold just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And really, so much of this comes down to is the world teaches us to avoid pain. I mean, it is rampant in our culture, okay? We've been taught by society um, to avoid it at any cost, just pop a pill and avoid this pain. Just pop a pill and you won't feel bad anymore. You'll feel great. Just pop a pill and do this. Big Pharma makes billions of dollars by convincing people that they need drugs to um, help them to feel happy when they're not really dealing with the root issue of their problem. That's what's going on inside their heart in their relationship with God and in their relationship with people. But we've been, it's been infiltrated into our society, into our thinking, Okay, we also don't like waiting for things. We don't like enduring things that are inconvenient. We want to go through the, the drive-through because it's faster. We want microwave this. You know, we want instant everything. Okay, we don't like to wait. And I'm just as bad as anybody when it comes to the, I love the fact that Walmart now has these self-checkouts. These are awesome. I don't have to wait in line for 50 people. Okay, we don't like to wait. Well, in the same way, we don't like to wait for change. We don't like to wait for God as he's working through our character and working through the things in our life. Thank you, Fatima. She knows she understands what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. We don't like to wait. And see, the thing is, the way that the world thinks is completely the opposite of the way that God works. Okay, God works completely opposite. I'm going to put another scripture up here. Uh, I love this scripture. This is from Hebrews chapter 2. And it says that, um, talking about God and Jesus, that God used pain, yes, pain, to prepare Jesus for what he needed to do. It says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what? Enjoyment? Abundance? Wonderful things in life? No, suffering. Okay, and then later on in verse 18, he says, because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. Okay, so God used suffering to prepare Jesus. If we call ourselves Christians, guess what we're going to go through? 
suffering, pain. You know, the world teaches us resist it, avoid it, do everything you can. But yet God used pain to prepare Jesus for the cross. He used him to prepare him to help him to be the perfect example, the perfect lamb to offer up his life so that we can be changed, so that we can have a relationship with God. And if we call ourselves Christians, we are Christ-like. We need to embrace it the same way that Jesus did. He didn't like it, okay? It was hard. It was uncomfortable. I mean, he said in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. He wrestled with it. But he wrestled with it, okay? He was willing to wrestle with it, not avoid it. We have to have the same attitude. Number two, God used, hard, God uses hardship to get our attention so we change, okay? You put your hand against the stove, all right? It's going to hurt. You're going to burn, especially if the stove is hot. You know, it's, it's like a red flag. Ah, something's wrong, okay? Well, when we're in pain, that is a symbol that there is something wrong. It needs our attention. We need to be attracted to what is doing that, okay? See, because pain is a precursor to transformation, a precursor to awareness, a precursor really to birth and rebirth. If you ever had kids, you know how much pain labor is, but it's a precursor to a birth. When we become disciples of Jesus, okay, we have to face ourselves. We have to face our sin, okay? We can't just waltz in to a relationship with God without recognizing what we've done, what put Jesus on the cross. That is hard. That is painful. Jesus talked about that in Luke 14. We must, you know, uh, we're going up against a king. We have to deny ourselves. We have to face the fact. We have to count the cost. Those are hard transformations that we have to go through. But we have to struggle or we don't become strong. We have to count the cost of what's going to happen here. You know, it develops our emotional, our mental, our spiritual muscles. And that's why God did that with Jesus. I'm going to put another scripture here from um from Hebrews chapter 12. And this is like a mantra for me. I have to constantly remind myself when things get hard. Endure hardship is discipline. God is treating you as his children. We have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Okay? So God uses discipline. He uses pain to transform us, okay, to make us different. Just the same way our parents disciplined us. Okay. Yes, my father spanked me. <laughs> And I am so glad he did because it helped form me into the character that I have today. You know, when we have teenagers, we have to be, we have to set down the discipline or our kids are going to go crazy. Our kids need boundaries. We all need boundaries. God uses discipline to change us. He is using discipline to help us. So when you are in pain, God is trying to get your attention and he's trying to help you to focus on the issues of your life that are not right with him. Okay. Okay, number three, God loves us too much to leave us the way that we are, okay? What do I mean by that? Romans chapter five, close this one here. Okay, Romans chapter five, 
um, verses three and four. We also glory in our sufferings. This is Paul talking. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Okay, and then it further says, and hope does not disappoint us. All right. So Paul, who was you know the apostle to the Gentiles, who you know spent many nights in prison, who was persecuted, was flogged many times, was stoned many times. Okay, he's the one who said that we glory in our sufferings. Okay, we glory in it. We don't run away from it. We face it head on because we understand it produces character in us. God is trying to transform us into the image of Christ. If we walk away from it, if we flee from pain, if we try to avoid it, then we're walking away from God's discipline and we don't grow. Nothing's gonna change, nothing is gonna get any better unless we are really allowing God to work in our heart. Okay, so what do we do? Okay, we get it. We've reached our pain threshold. What do we do from here? We have to take responsibility and act. And guess what? We are the only person who can break that cycle, okay? I've talked about it before. This is There's an insanity leap. We keep just going round and round and round in issues with our spouse, and nothing really ever changes, okay? Our spouse makes like a little spike of, you know, they say, oh, I love you, and, and I'm, so glad, I'm so sorry I'm doing this to you, and we suddenly think, oh, they've completely changed. No, it doesn't work that way, okay? Especially if they have been in their sin for a long period of time, okay? Their habits are not broken. Repentance is not there, okay? We have to change ourselves, okay? We can't wait for those little glimmering moments of our spouse being transformed when we haven't transformed. We have to focus on our transformation. Let God work on our spouse, okay? So take responsibility for us. We have to be aware of our threshold and making those choices that we need to, to cross over to where God wants us to go. So we need to make a choice that brings us that peace, okay? The peace that passes understanding. Um, I'm gonna post a couple more scriptures. I think these are awesome because they really help us to understand a little bit more. So sometimes we're like, um, you know, why is this going on? Why are things so challenging? And it's like, in 1 Corinthians says, but God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. If you do not have an internal peace in your spirit, that needs to tell you something is wrong. What you are feeling, okay, all those things, God's trying to move you in a direction of peace. But if you're feeling confused, if, if, if the relationship with your spouse makes you feel crazy most of the time, there's something wrong, okay? Because God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of peace. He's a God of clarity. The truth sets us free. So we got to get out of denial and face the truth about where we are in our relationship. We have two examples in, in the New Testament that are really very different. So we have Judas, who was in so much pain about how what he did to Jesus that he committed suicide, okay? And then we have Peter, who was in so much pain about his denial of Jesus, but instead of making him move away from Jesus, it brought him back to Jesus. And that's the way we need, we need to be Peter. We don't need to be Judas, we need to be Peter. So what is our standard for change, okay? What action do we take, okay? It's got to be based on the scriptures, not on our feelings. Our feelings are as erratic as our hormones, okay? So we can't use our feelings. God's word is unchanging, okay? So first thing we need, we need to have a proven biblical strategy, okay? Biblically-based strategy for change, okay? We need to have an experienced guide, okay? Somebody who's walked this path before that knows what the obstacles are, okay? 
and then, and those two things, by the way, I can help you with, okay? But I can't help you with the third one. The third one is we have to have a tenacity, a resourcefulness, a teachability, okay? To really go wherever God wants us to go to be the different women that God designed us to be. I'm telling you, ladies, there are so many women that are in our situation that need us to change so that we can guide them out of this. This is why I do this, okay? This is why I do this. We need to help the sisters behind us that don't have the resources that we have, that don't have what we have, that don't have the relationship with God that we're fighting for. We need to be able to help them because they are, gonna, they are hopeless without us, all right? So if you, okay, um, if you really want that, if you're really set on doing that, then I want you to do me a favor. I want you to set up a breakthrough call with me, okay? It's hopeforspouses.com slash apply, okay? Again, hopeforspouses.com slash apply. I want you to schedule a call because I have the strategy. I am an experienced guide. I've been helping people with this for three years. Uh, I know what I'm doing, okay? The program is completely based on scriptures. I do incorporate a lot of the new science about neuroplasticity and what is going on with the way our brain works, a lot of the research that um, some of these incredible um, doctors and psychologists have been doing to really help us understand uh, what codependency is and what addiction is and how it affects our mind and our body. But the predominant nature of the program is biblically based. But, okay, if you are so set on arguing about all the reasons why your situation is so different from everybody else's, okay, if you make excuses as to why you can't do it, why you can't change, and if you try to prove um, to me or the world or even to yourself how your God, your relationship with God is so amazing while you are miserable, okay, you are miserable in the life that you're in, then don't call me, okay? Don't call for help because you're not ready yet. You haven't reached your pain threshold, okay? You're still trying to figure it out on your own, okay? But, all right, if you are willing to be humble and teachable, Okay, if you are willing to be humble and teachable and, and really recognize, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the answers. I need help. I need hope. I have nowhere else to turn. If you're ready to do whatever it takes to change. Okay, if you're ready to let God's word be your standard for transformation and not your feelings, then I want you to schedule a call for call with me. Okay, hopeforspouses.com slash apply. All right. I want to leave you with a final scripture because I feel like this really applies exactly what we're talking about here it's a little long but that's okay um it is powerful and excellent so what i'm really saying here is we need to choose life okay we have the power to choose it is not up to our spouses it is not up to our circumstances okay god is greater than those things okay god is greater than all the excuses that we have he's greater than all the challenging situations that are that we're in we have to choose life. And this is what God says to us from Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 20. See, I said before you today, life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees and laws. Then you will live and increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, like your fear, or like your need to control what's going on in your life. I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not survive. You will continue to stay in the mess that you're in. 
you will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Okay, choose life ladies. Schedule your breakthrough call today. Hopeforspouses.com slash apply.